Escape Pod, 19. September 15, 2005. Today's story, Implications, by James C. Bassett. Hi, I'm Steve Healy. This is my Derek podcast, and I didn't really want to do it, but my attempts to write a different, funnier intro have all gone sour on me, so here you go. If you listen to any of the sci-fi podcasts, you know they're all talking about Derek Colanduno, the host of the Skepticality podcast, and a good friend to many of us. I've known Derek since July. A lot of folks met him for the first time at DragonCon, an event which has now, I think, been mythologized in a lot of the podcasts. Last Thursday, Escape Pod ran a reading by Swoopy, the other host. Thursday evening, while they were out to dinner celebrating the fact that Steve Jobs had mentioned them in his keynote address, Derek had an incident that was either a brain aneurysm or something very similar to one. He is alive. He's in a medically induced coma. No one has any idea right now what his outlook is for the short or long term. I've been hoping to visit him in the hospital, since he's here in Atlanta, but the doctors are severely restricting visitors until he's a bit more stable. I have faith that he'll get more stable because he's too damn stubborn to do otherwise. The reason everyone's talking about him is because Derek makes friends very easily. He's an outgoing guy, confident, I'd even call him egotistical, but it's the rare kind of ego, the ego that listens. He knows how to value himself without diminishing your value in comparison, and that makes it feel good to talk to him. As a testament, consider that they've produced 18 episodes of a show called Skepticality without once insulting people for believing in contrary things or making them out to be stupid. It's a positive show. I don't think I could do that. So, everyone gathers around and reflects and sends messages of the anything-you-need variety. Swoopy's been absolutely astounding. She's managed to put out podcasts and send updates to his friends and their audience and maintain a community in defiance of her own worry and fear. And me? Well, I've been thinking about this way too much. Last Friday, I couldn't concentrate on anything else. I've been thinking about Derek, realizing for the first time a lot of what I've just said about him. I've been thinking about what a tenuous thing normal life is about how thin the walls are between the things we expect every day and the abyss of destruction and entropy. I've been thinking that it's extremely hard to appreciate anything until it's threatened. And then when it is threatened, when the walls come down, our emotions and our instincts genuinely are the most rational and useful guides through the abyss. So, I'm letting myself feel my emotions on this. And my instincts said write an intro about Derek. I imagine that a lot of this didn't make sense to anyone else, but I actually feel better now than I did when I started to write this. I thought I was going to talk about fear and randomness, and how stupid this all is, and I somehow found the positives instead. Maybe Derek's onto something. And, on a completely different note, today's story. A lot of people have asked us for more hard, far-future science fiction. For those people, I present Implications by James C. Bassett. They probably meant serious science fiction too, but oh well. Mr. Bassett's short fiction has appeared in Amazing Stories, Absolute Magnitude, and the award-winning Leviathan 3 anthology. 
His novel, Living Real, was published by Harper Prism in 1997 and was just reprinted by Misha Merlin last year. His upcoming projects include a comic series about Beowulf, and he's also a noted sculptor. In his bio, he says he's vegan, he brews his own beer, and he does crosswords in his head without writing in the answers. I think that last is how some of our public leaders do it, too. So, turn off the TV and get cracking on your homework. It's story time. Implications by James C. Bassett Prundus Doma laced its prehensile fingers behind its neck and stretched wearily. It still hadn't fully recovered from the latest disaster. Such was the nature of parenthood, Prundus reminded itself. With a sigh, Prundus exited the sleep field and wandered down the hallway toward its work chamber. On the way, it passed the study chamber. The door was turned off. Prundus hesitated, then steeled its courage and looked in. The quantum potential, as we have just demonstrated, the instructor Grapp was saying. Alarmed, Prundus cleared its throat. Archiprune and the instructor Grapp both turned around. Ah, Prundus, the instructor said. Are you feeling better today? I don't think so. How are your lessons going, Ark? Archiprune turned bright yellow in embarrassment. We're just continuing where we left off when, you know, the instructor was... Instructor Grapp, I need to speak to you, Prundus said sternly. Right now. Of course, Prundus. I am always at your service. The instructor glided out to the hallway. Prundus glared down at the bioconstruct. Instructor, I thought we had reached an agreement about this. After this last month, I don't want my child studying QPM until it has demonstrated the maturity to properly apply the concepts. I acknowledged and registered your complaint, the instructor said in its most soothing tone. But we reached no agreement. You know I am incapable of compromising Archiprune's education. Every six-year-old learns introductory quantum potential mechanics. Why, QPM is the foundation to all further study. Your ancestors created the race of instructors to ensure a complete and bias-free education to all humans. My genetic programming does not allow me to alter or compromise a course of instruction, except to accommodate variances in a student's intellectual or aptitudinal development. And since Archiprune is obviously quite advanced in both... Yes, obviously. But its judgment is rather lacking, wouldn't you say? Trying to translocate itself to the ancestor's earth on a whim? For that matter, instructor, I might also question your own judgment. Imagine teaching macro-level effects as an introduction to subquantum non-locality. Archiprune jumped up and ran to its instructor's defense. Ah, oh, Prundus, you know it wasn't Grab's fault. It was just a little accident. Just an accident? Prundus countered dryly. You neglected to factor in light-speed lag when making observations to determine coordinates and lost yourself halfway across the universe. It took me three weeks to locate you. I was worried sick, Ark. I know, Prundus, you already, Ark started to say, but fell silent when Prundus fixed the child with a sharp glare and continued its lecture. If you had at least left me a note telling me what you were doing, I could have narrowed the search. Not that that would have made it all right for you to pull a stunt like that without asking permission first. You know you're not allowed to leave the stellar neighborhood alone. I know, Archiprune said, its voice awash in all the regret it could muster. I'm sorry. Being sorry won't get back the three weeks I spent looking for you. 
You know I'm behind in my work as it is. Until you can become a little more responsible, I don't want you studying anything more about the implicate order. Prundus turned its severe attention to the ovoid teacher sitting patiently on four of its nine appendages. Is that completely clear, instructor? The instructor grap bowed obsequiously and told Prundus, I understand your concern, but as we have already discussed, if my child hears one more word about implicate order QPM without my express permission, instructor, you will find yourself translocated to the implicate permanently. Prundus Doma, I must remind you that according to the Sentience Manifesto of 27684, any attempt to forcibly compromise an instructor's syllabus is punishable by a ten-grade demotion and a stasis term not to exceed one thousand years. Prundus threw up its arms in exasperation. Then just try to determine all of the possible ramifications behind what you're teaching before you open your mouth, instructor. You know how crafty that one is. Arkaprun watched Prundus leave, then quickly turned the door on. "'I hate my parent,' it muttered just loudly enough for its teacher to hear. "'Prundus is only interested in your welfare,' the instructor Grab said comfortingly. "'Does that mean I don't get to learn QPM anymore?' "'Of course not,' the instructor said. "'But perhaps Prundus is right. I may have erred in discussing macro-level non-local translocation before you fully understood the concepts behind micro-level theory.' What's the difference? For a start, micro-level applications are by their very nature far more elegant than anything possible on the macro-level, from a mathematical perspective and from a conceptual perspective as well. Why? Well, as you know from your recent <clears throat> experiment, the non-locality principle of the quantum potential means that at the sub-quantum level, location technically does not exist. Each point in space becomes, in effect, every point in space. On the macro level, this can be used to translocate a physical object, a macro structure, from one point to another without moving through every intervening point. What I can do, Arkaprun said excitedly. What you are able to do, but what you are not allowed to do without your parents' permission, the instructor Grapp corrected gently. But that is the macro level, the level of physical reality. Arkaprun blinked in confusion. There is a level that isn't? The instructor Grapp smiled indulgently. We'll discuss the philosophical ramifications of a holographic existence after you're fully grounded in the technical concepts. The micro-level is the level of potential reality, implicate particles, and so forth, as I'm sure you recall from our last segment. Arkaprun nodded uncertainly, and the instructor continued. By creating and working within what we term a relativity vacuum, it is possible to directly affect wholesale manipulation of implicate particles, and then to translate the implicate construct to the explicate physical state. So, I could create, like, a theoretical model of a Van Allen skateboard, and a real one would just appear? That is a bit of an oversimplification, but yes, that is the basic concept. In fact, all of humanity's manufacturing and engineering for the last 20,000 years has been done through implicate order macro-level translocation. Even biological work such as Prundus's is done this way. Prundus does it? Really? That's right. Does this sound like a subject you'll enjoy learning? Arkaprun's eyes sparkled. Yes, it said eagerly. Oh, yes! Prundus! Arkaprun screamed. I'm in my work chamber, Ark. Prundus! 
Prundus turned to see its child standing in the doorway, crying, pale and trembling with fright. Alarmed, Prundus descended from its work tower. Ark, what's wrong? Arkaprune managed to force out words through its blubbering. Grab was teaching me about micro-level implicate translocation. Ark, what happened? It, it said you worked that way. I studied genetics last year. I just wanted to try. Prundus closed its eyes, feeling a headache coming on. Arkaprune, what have you done now? I don't know. Racked with a new fit of tears and unable to speak, Arkaprune lifted its garment by way of explanation. Prundus sank to its knees and cradled its head in its palms. Oh, in the name of all that's holy. What is it, Prundus? Arkaprune asked in terror. Prundus shook its head. It couldn't believe this had happened. Oh, Arkaprune, you're a boy! An hour later, parent and child sat atop Prundus's work tower. Prundus in its control globe, Arkaprune anxiously occupying the relativity vacuum. The instructor, Grapp, waited nervously below. I can't believe this. I just can't believe this, Prundus muttered as it worked. More than 10,000 years it takes the human race to engineer out gender differentiation, and you managed to reactivate all the old genes in one morning. Do you realize I spent the better part of eight years designing your gene plan? Eight years! And this is the thanks I get? Do you have any idea how embarrassing this could be for me if it gets out? For three hundred years, I've been director of the project to engineer humanity beyond the need for a physical body altogether, and then my own child degenerates itself to a... to a gendered body. How could you, Arkaprune? I didn't mean to. You never mean to, Arkaprune, but you always do. Instructor Grapp, I hold you responsible for this. If you had heeded my warning... I agree that this is a most unfortunate turn of events, Prundestoma, but I must remind you of the sentience manner, and I must remind you, instructor, that any instructor found guilty of improperly directing a course of study so as to cause physical or intellectual disadvantage to a student shall immediately and irrevocably have its synaptic network reprogrammed. I think any council would consider genetic debasement a physical disadvantage, don't you? The instructor remained silent for a long while. "'I see your point,' it allowed at last. "'Perhaps I should reconsider Arkaprune's entire course of study, in light of its exceptionally active intellectual curiosity.' "'You'd better believe it,' Prundus grumbled. The control globe pulsed purple, and Prundus said, "'I think that's got it. Arkaprune, are you ready?' Arkaprune gulped. "'Uh-huh.' The tower flashed. Prunditz held its breath as Arkaprune cautiously lifted its garment and peered underneath. Arkaprune dropped the hem and raised a beaming smile to Prunditz, who sighed heavily with relief. Now let that be a lesson to you, it told its child. No more unsupervised experiments. Never, ever again. Arkaprune pressed its parent's forehead in affection and scrambled down the work tower. I promise, Prunditz, it shouted gleefully. Good. Now go to your sleep chamber. Your lessons are cancelled for at least the rest of the day, I think. Prundus paused outside the study chamber and turned the door off. Just as physical location is meaningless in the implicate order, the instructor Grapp was saying, so is temporal location. Hand in hand with non-locality is non-temporality. But what about the grandfather paradox? Arkaprune asked. 
That applies only to classical quantum mechanics. In terms of implicate order QPM, it is spurious. Even drastic alterations to the timescape must always work out to have a negligible effect on the present. Otherwise, the quantum potential field breaks down. Archiprune sat up, keenly interested. So I can travel in time? Theoretically, the instructor cautioned, but note that I said a negligible effect. That does not entirely rule out... Prundus turned the door back on and wandered down the hall toward its sleep chamber. It felt a sudden, overwhelming need to lie down. And that was our story. I guess all you need to know, you really can learn in kindergarten. Oh, Frabjous Day! We have a book review! This is Brad P. from New Jersey and the Whole Lot of Nonsense podcast. I recently finished reading The Traveler by John Twelve Hawks and can definitely recommend it. How'd I hear about it? I heard it reviewed on Dragon Pages cover to cover and then surfed over to my favorite ebook store, ereader.com. Now, this book crosses over the science fiction and the action adventure genres, and you do get all the weird stuff of SF and the fast-paced action-adventure in The Traveler. The story centers around Maya, a harlequin, and then these two Corrigan brothers who were travelers. What's a traveler? Well, that's a person who has the ability to leave the body and travel across dimensions and can bring back ideas and thoughts that help people learn to become better people. These spirited people need protecting, and that's where the harlequins come in. The harlequins are the ultimate protectors, masters of armed and unarmed combat. Now the Harlequins need to protect the Travelers from a group called Tabula Rasa. Now the Tabula are a group dedicated to controlling people in this dimension. Over the last 50 or so years, the Tabula have used CCTV cameras, credit card companies, social security cards, copies of Catcher in the Rye, okay, not the last one, to track everybody on the grid. Now the Traveler quickly becomes an allegory for opposition to Big Brother in a shiny wrapper an admonition against super-surveillance and population control. I picked up this book because I love books where a small group fights the man, where the man can be some secret shadow government, the unrestricted corporations in a free market, or robots harvesting humans as battery power. This book has gotten all kinds of press, but in my humble opinion, it's warranted. Go get this book. Buy it at the store. Get it from ereader.com. Go to your local library. This book should be on your list. Thanks, Brad. Did you get all that? There's going to be a quiz. Continuing in the vein of thanking some of our donors, today I'd like to give a shout-out to Salim from England. Salim was one of our first donors in early June, and he's since become one of our most frequent donors. He's producing a couple of podcasts of his own through the London-based Resonance FM radio station, The Hooting Yard and Epistaxis Time. I've listened to some of each. They are very strange, but rather hypnotic. Salim might be the king in yellow of podcasting. I'll have links to each one on our webpage. And remember, we are a listener-supported podcast. We pay our authors for the work we present, and we rely on your generosity to do that. So please, if you can spare a bit, click on our PayPal link at escapepod.info. We release on a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no-derivatives license. Sometimes, when I'm less tired, I say something funny about that. All other rights are reserved by our authors. Once in a while, I joke about that, too. Our music is by permission of Dai Kaiju, breathing new life into the once-stagnant, psycho-surf monster movie speed metal genre. Breathe with them at daikaiju.org. That's our show for today. In closing, I quote Marcus from Babylon 5. You know, I used to think it was awful that life was so unfair. 
Then I thought, wouldn't it be much worse if life were fair, and all the terrible things that happened to us come because we actually deserve them? So now, I take great comfort in the general hostility and unfairness of the universe. Enjoy, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>